Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my producer extraordinaire, JC, also known as John Coleman. Let's go. JC. Yes. We most recently mm -hmm. did an episode where I was fired up. Yes. Fired up. I even had my, like, get crap done yes. hat on. I believe it was get shit done, but yes. Well, hey, that episode, that theme. New hat, new theme. Yes, I can see. Yeah, this hat. Yes. More reserved. More reserved. Yes. You told me I look like the person who walks around saying, limited to one drink yes. per person. Is that your second drink, sir? I'm going to have to ask you to pay for that. Yours? Yes. So the fun police. Yes, the fun police have arrived. The fun police. So how do I un-fun police this? <sighs> I don't think you can, but you know, it's good because you know, it's going to be informative and I'm looking forward to today's topic. Yeah. So today's topic, um, you're the inspiration. Okay. You are the sunshine of my That is no. not the tune That's nor the melody, but <laughs> we'll just keep it moving. Um, the housing bubble. Okay. You want to talk about the housing bubble. I did. Okay. Okay. Well, let's go into it. I have no idea. I hear it's a bubble. Is it going to burst? I don't know. Okay. So No. All right, well, that's it for today's episode. If you're looking, <laughs> that would have been good. You can check us out on Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, at the Loan Officer Podcast, YouTube. No, listen, guys, this is not 2007, 2008. There is no housing bubble. I will wear egg on my face if I am wrong. You heard it here first on the Loan Officer <laughs> Podcast. But no, Coleman had a question. He's like, oh, Dio, like, you know, think about maybe buying a property. Uh, should I be selling my house I have now? Should we buy another one? Should I buy an investment property? We're worried about a housing bubble. And the answer, simply put, is no. But let's kind of talk about the whys behind it. Okay. And I think the whys behind it, we first have to understand what happened Yes. 15 or 13 years ago. That was going to be my question. Yeah. So 13 years ago was 2007. Mm-hmm. In 2006, it kind of really is when, when things started to shift for the negative. And... If we just looked at the most basic, in 2006, 2007 versus 2019, 2020, and now going into 2021, we had a massive amount of supply of homes. Mm -hmm. So it started with an oversupply of homes. That's typically where a housing bubble begins to burst and when the crash happens. Okay. Right now, we're the exact opposite, 180 degrees different. Okay. In today's market, pretty much coast to coast, Spokane to Key West and everywhere in between, I'm sure there's a couple outliers, but for the most part, we have a housing shortage. So it's impossible for a bubble to burst if a bubble never exists. Mm. There's there's no bubble to exist because the issue is for home buyers today is they can't find a home. People want to buy. More people want to buy than there are homes to sell. Mm. So if homes are going up in value, which they are, they're going up because simple Supply and demand, we learned this in probably fourth grade, and then it was taught again to us in like 12th grade economics class, but supply and demand will say when there is more demand and less supply, then prices increase. Mm -hmm. So your, your, your situation we're in today doesn't even come close to what it was in 2016 or, or 2006, 2007, uh -huh. because you don't have a, a oversupply of homes. Mm. Now, let's also talk about what was going on in those time periods. In those time periods, we, in the mortgage banking world, we were producing loans that Wall Street wanted, that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac wanted, that had all of these crazy risky features. Because you have to keep in mind, 
a mortgage lender, we make widgets for a living. We are only going to create a widget that someone wants to buy. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you had people, usually Wall Street, were coming to lenders saying, oh, I would buy these widgets if you would make them. Mm. Here's the formula. Go out and make them, produce them, and bring them to us. Okay. So we were doing financing for people that did not have to verify their income, that did not have to put money down. That's risky, right? They have no skin in the game, and we're not truly verifying whether or not they're going to be able to pay the money back. No, hold on. I just started in this industry. So, like, when you say, when you're saying, like, oh, I could just basically walk in, don't have to verify employment, money, and you could get a loan, that sounds like asinine to me now. Right? Well, that's, in general, you and I talk about this all the time. It's like common sense. It's, yeah. it's the people driving down here in Central Florida. What would you call it the other day? When the Stacking double... lanes when they stack yeah. Don't stack a lane, oh okay? If God. there's two turn lanes, let's evenly distribute our cars Thank in the, you. In the Thank two you. turn lanes. Amen. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Common sense. Common sense would have said, hmm, we're giving loans to people who aren't verifying their income and they're putting little to no money down. Because if you think about it, and this is actually how it really started, and this mm -hmm. is not what this episode's about, but we could totally geek out and like roll it mm -hmm. back into like 1998, into 2001. You had a little bit of a recession in 2001 going into 2004. Mm -hmm. And you could, you could see where there was a need to loosen credit, uh -huh. right? If you loosen credit, it makes borrowing more available. When you, when you borrow more, people can buy more and people buy more. It helps a lagging economy okay. become less lagging. Mm -hmm. Okay. Trying to manipulate or pull yourself out of a recession. That makes sense. But what started with, you know what, John, you're putting 50% down. I really don't need to prove your income. Okay. That's common sense. Yeah. You're putting 50% down. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Maybe I don't need to put in, and as, if you're willing to pay a premium, meaning you know, back then rates were probably seven and a half percent. If you're willing to pay 8% and not seven and a half percent, and you're willing to put 50% down and you have a 700 credit score, oh, yeah. I'll do that loan for you. Hmm. But like anything else, greed, greed ruined it hmm. because now all of a sudden someone else came in and said, well, John, I'll do that same loan, but you only have to put 25% down. And then someone else came in and said, well, John, <laughs> I'll do that loan 25% down, but you only need a 680 credit score. Damn. Then the first person, they got all, all creative. Like, you know what? Screw it. If you have a 700 <laughs> credit score, 5% down. But you have to pay the small fee up front. Mm. And it just steamrolled. Gotcha. One thing after the next, after the next. And then all of a sudden, people with 580 credit scores we're buying investment properties with like only 5% down yeah. and not verifying their income, just stating it. Like, like we maybe had to verify they had a job mm. and we had to verify that if you had a really strict underwriter, that like the income they stated had to make sense. So you couldn't say that a uh, person who worked customer service at a major airline made 200 grand a year. Gotcha. That doesn't make common sense. Gotcha. But a person who owns their own business, mm. do they make 80 grand or 280 grand? Uh, take your word for it. Yeah, take your word for it, as long as you put enough money down. Yeah. And so you had very relaxed, easy, too easy uh -huh. credit qualifying. So financing was readily available. Basically, mm. the joke was if you had a pulse, you get... if you could fog a mirror, <laughs> we were giving you a loan. Yeah. And you had this plethora of inventory, something like seven months 
worth of inventory. Hmm. So you had way more supply than demand. Yeah. Well, ultimately, when people quit buying homes, then those homes sat on the market. The more they sat on the market, home value started decreasing because what happens in supply and demand? Mm -hmm. If I need to sell something and there's not a high enough demand for my product, I have to drop the price. Correct. I have to create demand Correct. somehow. Correct. Well, if I dropped my price and sold, the next person had to. But what if the next person didn't have the equity I had? They didn't have the cash in the bank that I had. Just got to take that L. Yeah. Eventually, <laughs> yeah. people were left with homes that they couldn't afford yeah. and they also couldn't sell, so they walked away from them. Also, you had speculative buying. People were buying homes because the thought was, I'm not going to own this home very long. I may, I may not even have to make a payment because I'm going to go under contract today in October. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's new construction, so it's going to take six to nine months to be built. Mm -hmm. I'm going to lock in today's price of $400,000, mm -hmm. but by the time... March or June come around, that home's gonna be worth three hundred and sixty thousand. I'm just gonna sell it right away. And I'm gonna make sixty grand. And I'm gonna use this ninja loan. Ninja, no income, no job, no assets, right? Like I'm gonna use this ninja loan. Well, the problem was eventually during that six to nine month period of time mm. that they were locked in at a three hundred thousand dollar sales price and inventory had peaked, mm -hmm. everyone around them started lowering their sales prices in order to get their home sold, mm -hmm. lowering their sales price, lowering their sales price until eventually someone was caught with no buyers left and the market saying that that home that they're under contract to buy for 300 is now worth 275. Mm. And this person was planning on using a ninja loan with a 10 grand down to buy it <laughs> mm. and never planning on making a payment. So they didn't care that their payment was going to be three or $4,000 a month because they weren't planning on paying it. Gotcha. Now all of a sudden they have to pay it. Gotcha. So you multiply that times 10,000 people times 100 markets. Like, yeah, it just, it just snowballed. No, thank you. That, that really helps paint a good picture of like, now I think I have like a full understanding of exactly what happened. So that being said, we fast forward, fast to forward yep. today. It, it seems like we're in a different time. Regulations have become stricter. Getting credit is not as easy. Um, and getting kind of qualified for a loan, there are multiple steps, not to mention the pandemic stuff. So why would people think like there's a bubble happening or we're like a fake going towards a bubble now, given the circumstances are wildly different? I think for some, so many people, the, the scars mm. and the wounds, right? There, there's still some wounds from 2006, 7, 8. Mm -hmm. There's still some scars and also ignorance. Like not, not ignorance in a bad way, right? ignorance for the true definition of just uninformed, mm -hmm. right? They just don't know any better. Maybe they don't have a loan officer in their back pocket the way they should, yeah. right? They don't, they don't attend enough uh, networking functions or neighborhood Halloween parties mm -hmm. where they can ask these questions of someone who is more in the know, but you're 100% correct. In today's day and age, the credit quality is through the roof, ridiculously good. Yeah. In fact, some could argue it's too good that there are people being left on the sidelines, not being helped, that should be offered mm. financing, but because the pendulum has swung so far to the right that we're still underserving a good bit of, of the American populace because we've gone to these very strict underwriting guidelines. Mm -hmm. Self-employed entrepreneurs are one of those subsets mm -hmm. where where there, there should be alternative documentation for people who maybe their accounting practices by being a sole proprietor are one in which they have a harder time proving income the, the way that you and I do because we're W-2 associates. Gotcha. Right? That's a debate in itself. Mm -hmm. But here's what you should know. The average credit score 
is through the roof good, like over 700, hmm. right, for the industry. Uh, we're at record high. This was also not a, not a bubble. Record high equity in our homes, period, end of story. Not once have we had the type of equity that we have in properties. The reason why one of the reasons why 2006, 2007 happened is because people's average loan to value was so high or their equity position was so low, it didn't offer a buffer or a safety valve or a parachute mm -hmm. for a correction. Now, we saw in many markets more than a correction. A correction is when value drops by 10% or more. That's considered a correction. Like in the stock market, it's not considered a correction until the Dow Jones Industrial drops by 10%. Okay. So a, a correction of 10% in some markets, we saw a correction of 50, 60, 70%. Mm. That was a huge bubble burst. But um, no, what I, was, what I was getting at that, that we see in today's market that we weren't seeing back then mm -hmm. is we credit qualifying is obviously very, um, I can't say streamlined, it's not streamlined, it's um, restrictive. Mm -hmm. It's it's I dieting and T-crossing, and it's difficult to come by, but the people who have the homes to sell and their equity positions, their equity positions are so high that if, even if, like right now we're still dealing with COVID, mm -hmm. even if COVID doesn't go away and there's not a vaccine by next month mm -hmm. and there's not a vaccine by March and there's not a vaccine by June. And, and, and we just saw in the news, Disney's laying off mm -hmm. uh, massive amounts of employees in both uh, California and in Florida. If we start to see some of those ill effects, I still do not believe that there's a bubble hmm. to be burst because of two major things. A, we don't have a whole lot of inventory. So if, in most markets, 10 or 20,000 people decided over the next six weeks they have to sell their house. Two things are going to come of it. The market's going to be flooded with inventory that it desperately needs. Mm -hmm. Good thing. <laughs> and the people who have the homes to sell are sitting on a pile of cash that they need access to mm -hmm. so they can continue to pay their bills mm -hmm. and be consumers. <laughs> Good thing. <laughs> we didn't have that 15 years yeah. ago, 13 years ago. Right, we we had people who had no equity, and were losing their jobs, yeah. and had no one to buy their homes. Mm -hmm. Here, we are such a a shortage of properties that if the market worst case worst case were to were to be flooded, the market can absorb those properties, and the sellers are going to sell the home, and ninety five out of hundred out of a hundred of them are going to walk away with cash in their hands. Hmm. This is cash they can use to either rent an apartment, they can use cash to um, resituate themselves from a career standpoint. Maybe it's go to a vocational mm -hmm. school to pick up a new vocation. It could be money that they, that they use to move because maybe they have to move across town or to a new town or a new state to find employment. Um, money to continue to pay their car note. Mm -hmm. Money to continue to pay for uh, their groceries and their cell phone bill. Like, they, if you're sitting on thirty, forty, fifty thousand mm dollars -hmm. of equity, that's your nest egg, and you sell your home because unfortunately life happened, and maybe you lost your job, and you can't afford your your mortgage payment, and you may have to move in with family for a little bit. You're in a situation that that you sell your home and you get a pile of cash. Hmm. We didn't have that before. Hmm, that makes sense. So for for those most simplistic reasons, you know, on top of the credit qualifying, it's way more difficult today than it mm -hmm. was in two thousand six, two thousand seven. Like, that's every reason why I don't see a bubble. Like, if there's going to be ever a bubble, the bubble's going to be in debt. 
like the U.S. has a huge debt problem mm. where next year and, and especially the year after, we very well are going to have more debt than GDP, meaning that we owe more money than we're bringing in. Why do you say that over the next two years? Why do you say that? Just on the tra trajectory that we're on, looking at our, our current mm. um, budget situation and the amount of debt that we have okay. as a country. Mm. Now, some economists buy into the theory and the thought process that debt's fine. We don't need to have a zero balance sheet where we have no debt. But I haven't read many articles from, from economists, people mm -hmm. that have their PhDs in you know, macro and microeconomics, where they've ever stated, yes, it's a good thing when, as a country, we make less money than we owe. Like, yeah. hey, John, your household family makes hundred grand a year, uh, but you owe 110000 in credit cards. I'll never catch up. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's... Um, so it, ultimately what will end up happening is borrowing for all, because the U.S. government, I mean, we borrow money, right? Mm -hmm. That's why we issue treasuries. That's a bond. Those, those treasury bonds is what we use to, to pay for our um, uh, countrywide livelihood, right? Mm -hmm. our, our military and all of our expenditures and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, so what will end up happening is that borrowing will become more expensive, so although the Fed Reserve will be keeping their key interest rate at zero, they've mm -hmm. announced that like through 2023, that's their, their, their projection. We've learned on other episodes of this podcast that the Federal Reserve's rate is not mortgage rates. Correct. It's not the treasury rate. Correct. Okay. So we could see a bubble burst in, in the, the debt markets that would then cause the price of those bonds to drop. And we know, because we've done episodes on this, when the price of a bond goes up, rates or goes down, rates go up. Mm -hmm. You could very well see that. Okay. Right? Supply and demand. I mean, that's that's just one of those um, tried and true theories of economic supply and demand. Mm -hmm. But you know, the debt bursting wouldn't do anything to most of us except for make the cost of borrowing more expensive, mm -hmm. which could slow home appreciation. Because mm. think about it. If today you're used to buying that $400,000 house and financing at a rate of 3 or even 4%, let's say 3%, mm -hmm. and in a year from now you're borrowing at 3.5 or 3.75%, mm -hmm. well, your mortgage payment just went up on a $400,000 property by roughly 200 bucks a month or 300 bucks a month. Mm. You may choose not to buy that home at 400. Mm. Or you may choose to want to buy that home, but but you need to buy it for cheaper. I see. That so that could put a strain on things. Yeah. But no bubble. No, that's what I'm saying. Nothing like it was. But right but but no bubble. Mm. Yeah. I mean, really and truly, what we need is home builders out there building more homes. Hmm. Home builders for the past ten years have not been building at a rate that is that is uh, desired, in order to create a more robust housing industry or housing market. Was that by choice of design, or why, why do you think that? Not by choice. It's um. Their ability to, to acquire land uh, is is difficult. The cost to build in labor and in materials. Lumber prices are through the through the roof. Finding skilled laborers, mm. laborers, mm -hmm. right, is is difficult to begin with because for some odd reason, we've podcasted about this, people don't want to go into construction jobs. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, it pays crazily. Yeah. Crazily good money can be made in the trades. But they're not out there. And then you have certain states have their theories when it comes to um, environmental preservation. And there are certain laws and codes that are written 
that may make it difficult for people to develop certain types of housing. Okay. So you, you're you're running into a supply and demand issue there where builders want to build, but they can't build on that plot of land because the local ordinance says they can't. Gotcha. And gotcha. until they get that flipped, then they can't even acquire the land. Mm-hmm. So then that makes finding land that much more difficult. Mm-hmm. Then when they finally find the land because of of supply and demand issues, mm-hmm. they're paying a premium for it. Mm-hmm. Then when they want to import the lumber from Canada, there's maybe a new tariff on it, mm-hmm. and lum- the lumber is more expensive. And then when they want to go find the, so yeah, is, yeah, so no one, so home builders haven't been building at a rate that is sustainable for a growing economy. Nice, yeah. But to answer your in- initial question, <laughs> no, no bubble. Okay, cool. Well, I'm glad in a roundabout way we'll get the answered. No, that, that's very helpful, very insightful. Damn, that was educational. Yeah, and that's why I put on the kind of geeky hat. Yeah, okay, makes you know, sense and now. Look, we're going to geek out. We were all fired up before, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, if you listen, guys, to the previous episode, we're oh, talking yeah. about flipping homes. Oh, yeah. I had my get crap done hat on. This was my, all right, um, you, you called it my fun police hat. I kind of thought it was my middle-aged executive going on a golf retreat, rolled wow. up the sleeves because this is as casual as I get look. Sounds like you know exactly what you dress for. <laughs> dress for the occasion. But look, that's all the time we have for now. If forever, for any reason, you found everything I had to say totally off-base, totally off-putting, and um, totally false... I'd love to hear from you. Yes. Hopefully you didn't. Hopefully you found it educational. Hopefully you found it beneficial. It's the facts as I understand them to the best of my ability. Check us out on YouTube, the Loan Officer Podcast. We are on Spotify. Spotify. We are on iTunes. iTunes. We're on Google Play. We're on... Basically, anywhere you can find a podcast, we're there. And we even have social media pages. Facebook, Instagram, at the Loan Officer Podcast. On LinkedIn, I'm Dustin Owen. Find me. He's John Coleman. Look him up on Google. That's all the time we have for today. Peace. Deuces.